Welcome back, Beers and Careers family. Interesting podcast for you today with Megan Evangelista. Uh, Megan works in University Relations for Dell Technologies Corp and shares a number of insights that I think employers in particular will find very interesting about what college students are graduating with and what their hopes and desires for the modern workplace to look like. And I promise you, it's not as futuristic as maybe those hoping to stay at home would like it to be. Um, really interesting information uh, for employers. Again, taking you know what what's going to happen in the next couple of years based on uh, what new talent is demanding uh, out of employers. So. Uh, as always, our podcast is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Check out their website for tons of information if you're an employer or if you're a candidate for a new role. Um, tons of information there to help you get started in your job search or finding your next best employee. Um, check it out, and uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast today with Megan. So, Megan... Um Thank you for coming on Beers and Careers. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. 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 Well, we usually start off with a quick rapid fire just to get people um, familiar with you as a guest. And so if you don't mind this little lightning round, what would Megan's favorite uh, cocktail or drink be? I am currently uh, a big fan of kombucha, okay. which I know... It, it's a it's a wild card move, but um, I've been getting into it recently. I love it. What what uh, what started that? So I do a lot of um, ten mile races, half marathons, and you know the long runs on Saturday morning. We're feeling a little extra long <laughs> after some uh, some late Friday evenings, and so decided to change it up. And um, it's been a good alternative so far. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Very cool. Um, do you have a favorite curse word? Not particularly. I'm I'm that cheesy person who will usually sub in a word like bonkers or yeah, something like yeah. that, <laughs> which sometimes can be even more effective because people are expecting you to come in with the sledgehammer True. and you, you just throw them a curveball. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, any favorite guilty pleasure? I'm a big fan of waffles. Um, oh, talk to me. Like, yeah. like as like a dinner item or breakfast. I I I mean I could do all three meals no problem because you could wow. go savory you yes. could go sweet I've got uh, I I splurged I got a little mini waffle maker so mm-hmm. now they're snack form <laughs> I've oh, got man. all all the variations ready. I have there has been a uh, a waffle maker request in the household for quite some time so I think and we're trending in that direction so yeah. ironic and hilarious that that was your your go to some with you. <laughs> You could dress them up or dress them down. I'm all into waffles. That's the thing. Little, it's the little black dress of of snacking. It is. It is. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> are you into quotes? Do you have any favorite quotes that you'd like to share, maybe with the audience? Um, one that I I tend to bring up uh, again, a little corny. I think over the course of the podcast, we'll we'll all get pretty familiar with uh, a little bit of that, but. One that always has stuck with me is the magic begins with you. And of course, it's a it's a Walt Disney quote, but yes. I think it really speaks to your attitude, your outlook and really going into any situation or relationship. Just reminding yourself that it's not always about what others can do for you. Right. Mm. What are you bringing to the table? How are you adding that little extra pizzazz sparkle 
um, sort of cherry on top, so to speak, to, to whatever you're doing and making the most of it. I love it. I love it. It's simple uh, and to the point. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely dig it. Do you, what was your first job growing up since this is beers and careers? First job was a babysitter. Yes. The cl- classic. Yeah. I mean, it's an oldie, but a goodie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice cause it, you can really progress with it. So started back in middle school, um, you know, helping out different families and did that all through, through college and grad school. Very cool. Now I, we've never really formally got to spend time together. That's the one negative of the COVID style beers and careers. Usually there's like a lunch and a hangout and get to know the person, but, uh, or that was how we were doing it. But yeah. can you share with me um, kind of the evolution of your career and how it ended up to where you are today, maybe in the, in the, in the short form sense, so to speak? Sure. I'll, I'll give you the spark notes, yeah. but uh Essentially, I like to say that I am a university relations professional by way of higher education. And so you can kind of translate that into thinking the the thread throughout my career has been serving students and and working with college students, whether that's while they're in their undergraduate careers, getting ready to graduate and sort of that anticipation for the job search or welcoming them on board into an organization after they they walk across the stage and are ready to begin their career. Okay. It's, it's been a journey. There's been some, some twists and turns working with nonprofits, institutions. Um, I'm currently in, in an organization on the corporate side. So Mm. there, there's been a lot of different ways, but that's always been the the key piece. So it doesn't sound like you knew you were going to get into this, if that's fair, or was this always the goal? That is a, a fair statement. No idea. Um, so really, I went to undergrad thinking that I was going to be a, a high school history teacher. Okay. And so jokes on me, right? That I've gone pretty much as far away as uh, as you can get from that career path. So it's all about what, what led you there, though. Talk to me about that. Like what led you down the path and what were some of the aha moments along the way that was like, man, maybe I shouldn't be a history teacher. I think for me, it's always been about relationships and having really solid mentors and and folks who have helped me along my way and in the path, because I'm one of I'm the sort of personality, as I mentioned before, I didn't have a specific job title, a specific salary mark that I felt, hey, this is my calling. I I need to pursue this. Mm. It's always been opening doors and pursuing pathways of what I'm curious about, things that I don't know, areas that, hey, that sounds really cool and interesting. And I had no idea existed before connecting with someone about. And so I, I think that's always been um, having that willingness, that open mindset to what could be and learning more that's helped, helped served me well. That's, uh, that's really interesting to hear, too, because it's it's. Um the opposite of probably what many of the students are expecting, you know, maybe you to share with them when, when you're interacting with them, I guess. I mean, that, that was the whole impetus between starting the podcast was like, I was shocked at how nonlinear, how most people had nonlinear career paths, but then, you know, every organization is spending a tremendous amount of time, energy and resources working on their career pathing. You know, it seemed counterintuitive to a degree. So what's that like? You've got a front row seat to that. And, and have for years now. What's that been like? Yeah, 
it's it's been incredibly rewarding and and a lot of the work that I do in my current role within the university relations organization has been almost being that career coach for students. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting stats out there that talk about um, what the future of workforce looks like. And I think it's as high as 60, 70 percent of jobs in the future haven't been created yet. And so it's it's really taking your interests and I think your skills and figuring out what it is that excites you about the work that you're doing, not necessarily the work itself, to better prepare you for what that next step could be. And so that's a lot of the conversations I have with students um, as they get ready to leave undergrad and, and enter into that dreaded real world right. of, of, hey, what am I really good at? And I have a role. I supported sales for a few years, uh, sales positions. And again, that was an area that having conversations with students, you could just see the light bulb go off when they would make that connection of, hey, I love talking to people. I love being an advisor, an advocate. Um, I'm super competitive. That's that's a strength of mine. And so helping students make those connections uh, about what their strengths are and how they could put them in a role that maybe they had no idea was interesting to them before. Mm. Do you lean on any particular methodology or um, skills finder type book to help them with the self-awareness component of, of this conversation? Um, personally, I am, I'm all about the strengths and all about the, uh, the assessments, the awareness. And some of what I would do when I'm working with students is, is that awareness piece, right? So we're really fortunate today that we have the internet and there's so yeah. many different, um, evaluations and assessments you can go online and everything from the strengths assessment to MBTI to true colors, all these different inventories. And what I always say is they're not meant to put you in a box, right? It's not to say, hey, you are compassionate and empathetic. Therefore, you could never be um, strong and dominant in a conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think keeping that in mind is, is always helpful because a lot of times when we think about assessments and evaluations, it's so easy to say, well, this is all I could be. This is all I could do. Mm -hmm. And so instead, it's it's challenging yourself to think about, all right, what are my natural tendencies, things that when push comes to shove, when my back's up against the wall or when I'm stressing out before that next interview for a job, mm. that's what I'm going to default to. That's going to be my my safety net. But how do I push and challenge myself to work on some of those other skills that aren't as natural to me? And mm. so it's it's kind of this balance. Um in the way that you think about your work and, and flexing different muscles in different situations. Mm, I think that makes a ton of sense because you can feel pigeonholed. It almost works against you as opposed to feeling empowered and more clear on where your strengths are. I think that's one of the, you mentioned mentors and you having some great mentors. I think that's a really valuable part about a, a good mentor is just, you know, curating what those strengths and weaknesses are from their perspective because they've worked with you generally. Absolutely. And and sometimes I've noticed things that come so naturally to me, I take for granted. Mm. And and I think a lot of folks I've I've seen it happen time and time again where it's like, well, doesn't everyone do that? Anyone could do that. That's not special. That's not yes. unique. That's that's standard. 
And sometimes it's having that mentor to reflect back to you and say, no, that's not standard. That's that's your unique talent. And because you're so good at it, it feels really natural and really obvious for you, but it doesn't for others. Mm, that's really interesting. Do you, do you find that it's a daunting conversation when you're talking about skills and strengths and what they need to capitalize on to, to get a job, but at the same time, also talking to people that uh, might end up in a job in 20, 30, 40 years that doesn't exist yet? Like, is that a mind-bending conversation? A little bit, a little bit. In some ways, you're trying to prepare yourself and your and coach someone else for something that you have no idea. I mean, I think that the overused cliche, but I'll bring it up anyway, would be COVID. Yes. Right. Yeah. And my work as a as a campus recruiter for so many years was jump on a plane, spend 12 weeks out on the road, run around the country, go meet different students at institutions. And so as of, you know, last July, my team sat down and we sort of had this uh-oh moment <laughs> of what's next? How do we how do we bench ourselves effectively? Mm. Um and so it, it's those sorts of unexpected moments too that you can go back to your strengths and say, okay, what, what are the basics? What am I trying to accomplish? How do I get from point A to point B, even if there are some unexpected roadblocks? Mm, okay. Interesting. What, what fascinates you or excites you or do you find the most interesting about the future of where work is going? Because it sounds like you consume yourself in more of this thought process than like, I guess I should think about it, but I probably think about it more like, three to seven year stints as opposed to like maybe in the, in the large macro, like mine is like avoid the robots taking your job yeah. right now, which I think is probably a very ignorant viewpoint, but like, how do you think about it and what fascinates you about the future? Yeah, I, I think, I think that potential of what could be is always for me a really great motivator. So again, to connect to the strengths, I'm futuristic through and through. So today is great. I'm really happy to, to be where I am today, but man, I am thinking <laughs> way yeah. down the pike um, about what could be. And I think what we've seen, particularly over the, the course of the last 18 months or so, is that a lot of things we took for granted or assumed had to be a certain way don't. And, and I think that that is really exciting and, and especially the team dynamic in terms of geography has become even less of a concern mm -hmm. and less of a priority. And so I've been able to expand my network um, and, and just think really differently around the strategies we've held and my team has held at work for so long because these barriers are now being taken down. And so yes. I, I don't have to be as beholden to, well, this is how things were, or this is how we've always done it sort of thinking. And so if I can then have a clean slate, a clean playing field, well, how would I redraw the, the boundaries of what could be? Yes. It's a, it's a, uh, it's liberating as an employee and someone in the workforce. And I think it's extra daunting as a leader because now you have more, I don't know. It was so interesting. I was, so I'll share an anecdote. I was, I'm, I'm not a work from home person through and through, but I have changed my tune on it. Like I like it more now. Like, I, you know, 
I enjoy being able to like have lunch with my kids and then be done and walk down the stairs and be home. Like there's like a ton of those benefits and throwing a load of laundry in between a meeting, right? Like I like, I love all that. Um, but I'm also like a person of routine. So I've enjoyed coming in. We had a town hall here last week. We do these quarterly town halls just to share where we're doing, how we're doing as a company. And afterwards, someone was like, do you want to go grab a drink? And there was about 11 people going to go grab a drink, a couple tables. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, sure. Like I, like I, I didn't want to because I was like, you know, I'm at that point in my career where like it's less exciting. Not, a, you know, I mean, that might make me old, but that's where I'm trending, <laughs> right? Like, um, and I sat there, had a blast while I was there, got home. And then I remember like laying in bed that night being like, man, like that was a lot of fun. And there were a few people who had only spent about six months in our business that were there. And for them, you could tell they were learning so much about it. And the team was getting stronger. And it was kind of one of those things that just paused me to be like, yeah, we could go completely remote. And, and in our organization through the pandemic, we've hired people that physically can't commute to our office. Like we've, we've, erase the geography boundaries to a degree but man was that impactful and so it's like there is no black and white there really aren't rules it's going to be gray it's going to be how you live it and deal with it and i think you know for people who want to get into leadership that was already a difficult jump and now i think it's going to be more more complicated to your point because it's like how do you corral all of those different <laughs> needs and wants and, and desires and i guess you could even say timing in life right Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest pieces I, I miss is just being able to pop my head into someone else's, you know, office cube, yes. whatever, and just, hey, like, hey, did you did you see that call or did you get that email or um, the novelty of getting to, to leave your desk to go for a coffee run with a yes. couple peers? Yes. That was such a day maker. <laughs> and yes. now, again, I've got my coffee maker right next to me. So that, right, but it's it's a different dynamic. And so mm. I think that's definitely um, an impact. And then the networking piece as well. Yes. I, I can't imagine, and I have such empathy for folks who have started a new role in the midst of this, yes. because how do you grow your network? How do you have those, you know, hallway bump conversations where you run into someone and, and have that introduction. So there's a, a lot of complexity there. And I think there's definitely a missing element for a lot of us who are working at home. Mm, I think it's so, so well said. Like, we're kind of fortunate we had years under our belt, so to speak, before it hit. So there was a something to lean on. But I mean, one of the best teachers is generally people around you that do things that you don't want to do. Right. Those things go unsaid. Right. But you can witness them when you're in the actual office. And I know you said you support sales team. It's like as a sales professional growing up, I used to listen to people on the phone. And be like, well, I'm not going to do that. But that's good to hear. Like, at least I know not to do that. Or I really love that. I'm stealing that. Mm -hmm. And I think your learning curve goes down tremendously because you're absorbing that information that really you have to reinvent that wheel yourself. So I think those will be. Some of the modern challenges, I think, that we're going to have to get through for these uh, geographic barriers, so to speak. Yeah. And, and the last piece I'll say to that, um, I was reflecting with some coworkers just just this morning, but um, we talk so much now, especially being virtual, but talking about, hey, I'm in back to back calls today and, and I'm structured and I'm um, using my time here and there. 
And I, I made the comment to one of my coworkers, I have no idea how I handled back to back meetings in person mm. prior to, <laughs> prior to going remote because the travel time to walk down a hall, the travel yeah. time to grab coffee with a friend before the conversation or spend a few minutes of overtime in the conference room after that entire dynamic has, has gone. And it was really baffling to me to think about, well, I mean, I log on, I logged on for, for today's conversation, right? 1259 click I'm in. Right. And so how do we go back to a point where we can't, you know, we're back to back, but having that dynamic. Mm. It's really, and I think if you had asked me, Three months ago, right? Three months ago would have been like, yeah, even like maybe around the Christmas break time, I would have said, I think the world of work is changed forever and we won't go back to the office. And now that I've like been in a little bit more, had that town hall I referenced, I will not be shocked if we're sitting here in the year 2023 and we generally operate like we did pre-pandemic. Like most people are in the office there probably is more flexibility. Like I'm very fortunate. I've always worked at a company where it's kind of like, take care of your adult life. So if you leave, you leave, you have doctor's appointments, you have kids stuff like, go, like we have, we were early adopters in tech and video conferencing. So it wasn't like it, we were actually very prepared for it, but I kind of feel like for the most, there's always going to be people that are like, no, I just want to work at my house and fine. Good. That's totally cool. That's your jam. But I think, the, I think the vast majority of folks will get back into Let's call it 85%, 80% will be more normal. And I didn't think that way three months ago. I didn't. I just, it seems like we're trending in a direction like that. I I would agree. And, and it's interesting. My team runs on data. That is the lifeblood of yeah. my organization. And um, we do a lot of benchmarking and surveys with students at, at the college level and asking, of course, What's your sentiment? Do you feel comfortable coming into an office for interviews? Do you feel comfortable um, relocating for a job, you know, these days? And do you want to go into an office? And do you you have any guesses of of what the sentiment might be? Oh, man, I was going to actually ask you what those data points are. But I will (laughs) guess I will guess that college kids are probably okay coming in to interview for the most part, but less than before. But I think. Probably the vast majority are okay. I'd say relocation. I'm going to say relocation is probably the same, if not maybe more. Maybe people are like, I'm down to leave more, actually. And then work in an office. I think it's probably the same, if I had to guess. You are, you're two for three. Okay, okay. <laughs> you're two for three. Not bad. So, so yes, the, the overwhelming response is students are are like, get me out of here. Yeah. I want to go into an office. I want to relocate. And yeah. we've seen an increase of students who want to come work in an office because, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the sentiment and you look through all the open response feedback, but they, they want to come into an environment because a lot of them for one, two-ish years now have not had that college collegiate experience yes. on a campus. They're not, many of them aren't in an in-person classroom environment. And so they're coming now to employers and saying, hey, I'm missing out on this year. I really hope you don't expect me to stay home once I begin my career. I think it makes so much sense. Did you have an athletics background in in school? No. 
Okay. I did only ask because you run a lot. I was like, damn, that is, those are some impressive oh. mileages you're putting up. So I didn't know. But, like, <laughs> like the reason I asked that is I, it just kind of dawned on me hearing you say that. What is better than living in a dorm? Like, like that whole period of your life, I mean, it kicks ass. Like, and I think I, I played a little um, lacrosse in college and – for me, it was like I lived next to my teammates. It was almost like lacrosse was our job. And I know school should have been, but like lacrosse was more the thing that you were like, you couldn't stop talking about all the time with your friends. And it was like, it's kind of like work. It's like when you're doing something you enjoy and, you know, Andrea's the next office over and I just get to pop in and talk to her. It's like, that's fun. Yes. And I can see why people leaving college have been like, no, the dorm was way better than the virtual. I definitely want to be back in the office as opposed to sitting in my home office that isn't that luxurious because I have no money. I just got out of school. So that – I can see the human behavior of that checking out. It's going to be interesting to see how long it lasts, though, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I we talk a lot when we're interviewing about the idea that you have to like the people you're working with, right? Your, your coworkers, because, <laughs> man, you are setting yourself up for a long <laughs> career. A long rip of it. If, if you don't love that, and it's, it's really similar to, I think there's a lot of parallels to the college experience and coming into work and, and you have to enjoy your environment. You have to trust your, your leaders, your mentors, your advisors. Um, and then you have to have peers that are going to have your back and support you and challenge you. And so I think that dynamic is, is sort of where that sentiment's pulling from. Do you, do you, I'm guessing you may, do you have data that breaks down? Like the relocation statistic, like I, if I had to further break that data down, I would guess that your um, northern North American uh, contingent was probably more apt to relocate than ever before. If I had to guess, it, like just because the South opened up earlier than us, um, I am personally someone who loves winter. Like I like to go skiing. I like both. I love the balance of the four seasons, but never in my life have I felt the urge to get the hell out of here for a week <laughs> more than ever, you know? And I just, so I was like, I could definitely see myself leaving college now and being like, I will I'll 100% relocate. Have those numbers gone up significantly in a certain sector or has it kind of just been uniform? It's been, it's been relatively uniform. What it has been is polarizing. So the students who maybe were somewhere on, on the fence of like, hmm, I could move if it's worth it, maybe not. We're now seeing a really big divide of mm -hmm. heck no, I'm sticking close to home, friends, family, you couldn't mm -hmm. pay me enough to leave. Or we're seeing folks who say, I don't really care what the job is. Just get me the hell out of here. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So it's polarized. Wow. That, that I, I guess that makes sense though, right? Because stress is going to make you, um, if you look at the pandemic as a stressor, it's really going to give you clarity as what's important right now to what's going on. Oh, that's interesting. Any other data points from like what's going on in that world that are just very different now or something that's maybe counterintuitive that you think is worth sharing? I, I think the relocation piece is, is the one that has surprised me the most. And then just that sentiment of, I want to be back in an office. Please don't make me work remotely. Please don't make me yeah. uh, stick to five days remote. So those are the two biggest ones. I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear that 
recent college grads or people entering the workforce do want to get in an office because I think that means they they know that others are the key to their success. Yeah. You know, and I think that's probably a healthy way for us to move on as a civilization, never mind, a, you know, never mind the working world. So that's actually that's actually really cool to hear. So awesome. Awesome. So how about like you, like I'm interested in Megan and, and your path, like um, you're clearly leading teams and moving in the right direction. And then I'm going to say highly motivated because no one's going out for 10 mile runs and running half marathons um, <laughs> without being motivated. Like, where's that come from? Are you, have you always been this type of person pushing for the future and motivated or, or is it, is it, is it something that you gained along the way? That, that I think is just built into my DNA. I, I am just sitting still for too long. I, I have a hard time with it. <laughs> and so, um, I think that curiosity piece we talked about earlier in the conversation has, has always been there for me. And so challenging myself to see what could that next new thing be? What would happen if I ran half a marathon? Can I run half a marathon? Mm. Um, you know, it, it's sort of these question and answer games that I play with myself. Okay, so you're kind of obsessed about seeing how far you can push it. Apparently, yeah. yeah. I've, I've never <laughs> thought of it that way. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool. And you and you're gonna you you chalk that up more to like um, nature versus nurture. Like you think it's more of a product of your environment, or was it like the way your parents raised you, or however you were raised? You think, or I think. My parents were great in that they let me explore different things. Um, so if I went to archery camp one summer and, like, yeah. you know, had never picked up a bow a day in my life. Did right. it once, and it was great, and haven't done it since. So I think it's just always, you know, pursuing these different pathways of seeing, like, oh, what what is this new thing? And sometimes um, it sticks. Again, like running, I think for me was, was one of those personal challenges. I started right after grad school just to see what, what all the fuss was about um, and, and pursued it from there. Okay. No, very, very cool. Do you, do you feel like the corporate world is well-designed? I know now you're in it, but still that common thread of students. Do you feel like the corporate world from your vantage point is well-designed to accommodate that curiosity early on? Um, in, a, in a student and kind of nurture that from from there on out, or do you think we've got room to grow? I think I think if you play your cards right, you you can certainly make a lot from your experience. And again, mm -hmm. it, that goes back to if you come in maybe with a, a learning and development program, if you have mm -hmm. a sponsor, a mentor, someone who's willing to kind of show you the ropes. And sometimes I, I've found in, in the corporate world, there's always that that sub meeting or right the subtext behind. Hey, here's what we are going to talk about on the call, and when this person doesn't come off mute, this is you know this is why, and this is what's really being said. So <laughs> there there is that corporate reading between the lines almost as a second language, a second yeah. skill that yeah. you build over time, and I think for me coming from that higher ed background where it was very much. Um, academic focused very much. I always joke and say, let's have a committee about this committee on whether we want to create a committee, right? Like <laughs> higher ed's just not known for um, its speed. And, and right. I say that very lovingly. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I think one of the great things and reasons I love corporate is that 
you you don't see something that you want, you go make it happen. Mm. You go build it. You go create it. And that's been another theme with all three roles that I've held at Dell is they have been either new positions or re restructured positions. Mm. And so I've been able to come on board and, and kind of put my twist and my flavor on, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the direction I'm thinking, you know, talk to my leaders and, and other folks and say, does this sound right? Mm. But by and large, I'm going to go do my thing <laughs> and see yeah. what sticks and, and sort of have this space, the autonomy to go create structures, programs, opportunities as, as it makes sense. Which ultimately leads to you being more engaged in your role, satisfied with the work you're doing, better at the work you're doing because you're learning. I mean, that's, that sounds, what a great opportunity that is. That must, uh, that's really cool. You're the second person I've talked to or had on the podcast actually from Dell. Laura Thompson was another. She was there for the EMC days. I don't know if you know Laura at all. She's no longer with, she was in HR. Um, but spoke with the same, um, level of appreciation and gratitude for like the autonomy and the flexibility. Cause like from the outsider, you'd think Dell, I mean, I live in Hopkinton. So like, thank you for paying your taxes. Um, uh, but like, you just think big corporate company, right? Like, like rules and procedures and red tape. And it, and it's, uh, it's funny to hear you speaking so energetically about the opposite of that is, is the vibe I'm getting. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that honestly, full transparency, I almost didn't take the job because of that <laughs> and because yeah. I didn't know what that looked like. And, and again, I had so many preconceived notions of, you know, corporate America, you wear a suit and you have to work from 830 until five and you commute yeah. and, you know, all of those different associations. And fortunately, I've found that you can build that community. You can have the autonomy and at a company with 150,000 employees globally, mm. I still feel like I have a name for myself. I have a brand um, and I have a community and network of, of supporters and resources, even within this huge organization. Right. Because you still have a community within the community. Exactly. Yeah. It's really cool. When you talk to the people in marketing, let them know if they want to sponsor the podcast. It's totally cool. <laughs> I'll give them a shout out. Because <laughs> like, clearly we're clearly we're pumping down, which is no, that's awesome. Because I think as a, you know, I mentioned to you we started the podcast to document nonlinear career paths, but it was really for recent college grads or people trying to make a career transition that didn't really know what to do. And I think ultimately what I was trying to say was let's rip off the preconceived notions of what corporate America is like because it's really quite a fun place to be. It's just a bunch of people organized as a group doing a mission. It's not suits, suits, suits all the time. So I think that's uh, inspiring if you're 22 thinking about, man, I was having a blast and now I got to go do this every day. And it's like, no, 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 you get to do that. And you, pro and you get to choose the people you're doing it with and it's fun. And if you get into the right situation, to your point, you have mentors helping you out along the way. Exactly. So. And that's, I've, I've heard some really good advice recently about making that career transition. And if, if you are looking to make that jump, call it out, right? Yeah. So what could someone from a higher education background have to offer a corporate environment setting? 
Yeah. And and that was one of the really one of the turning points in my career, in my journey to be able to articulate, hey, I can bring something different. I'm not going to think about structure, strategy, et cetera, in that linear path than if I had a business degree, business background, business experience. And so did it mean I had a, an uphill battle to learn some of that business acumen? I have an entire PDF of acronyms <laughs> for my company trying to remember, you know, the first time I heard M&A for mergers yeah. and acquisitions, I was like, M&Ms? Like, what are we talking yeah, like, about Yeah, what are we here? talking about? I haven't been received that candy at Halloween yet. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm like, I'm more of a Snickers fan. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> so I, I think that um, being able to call that out, but you know, it's so cliche, but it's what's different that makes you more unique and valuable because you're coming into a conversation with a different lens. So how did you, how did you get, I mean, that had to be a, a fairly stressful or, you not. yeah, I think stressful, unorganized and kind of wild point in your life when you're making the transition from higher ed to corporate, like A, was that always the plan after you were like, I'm getting out of higher ed where you're like, I need to go corporate or did you know where to go? Like who helped you along that path? Like how, how was that? Cause I think oftentimes I talk to people who want to make a jump and they don't even know where to start. And my advice is go talk to people, but like you've lived it. So I, you have actual advice you can give people. I'd love to hear. Yes. So my advice is, is the exact same as yours. So I didn't, consciously know that I wanted to leave higher ed, I knew I was looking for a change. And that was really what sparked a lot of those informational conversations, the networking. Um, and, and so how that came about for me was I sat down with, at the time, our director of university relations, and I thought she was going to help connect me with higher ed contacts that she had through her network. And so Everyone listening, please don't do this because this was such a rookie, rookie mistake on my side. I went into that conversation. We met at a Starbucks. I was in jeans. I had on a baseball hat because I was thinking, you know, this is an informal conversation, right? I'm just networking. It's all good. Um, my Saturday morning and through that conversation, the questions became more and more pointed of, well, what's your experience? What are you looking to do? That question always comes up and, and having a good answer ready to go is one of the best things you can keep in your back pocket <laughs> of what you're passionate about. And so I started to talk about I love serving students. I love program management. I'm really looking to challenge myself and grow. And I think we can probably all figure out that this conversation <laughs> ended up um, resulting in an opportunity to go intern with this director um, for the organization. And that was my foothold into corporate. Uh -huh. And I went and I, I interned for her and ran our summer intern program, started working with the college students who were coming from higher ed into their professional experience and, and really serving as that bridge for them. And, and the rest uh, I'll say is history from there. But I think that's one of those stories that just really highlights the power of networking and not wearing jeans to informational interviews when yeah. <laughs> when you think that they're That's just awesome. informational. <laughs> it turns out they weren't. Um, 
but again, I think that networking piece and then having folks along the way who can connect you. So always asking after one conversation, who who's someone in your network I should yeah. talk to? Yes. Because, you know, it's great to have one conversation. It's even better to have five. Oh, and, and then they generally will point you to other people to connect with as well. And I think you got to go into those conversations not expecting to get a thing. How can you, to your point earlier, how can I help this person? What can I give to this person? Because it kind of keeps just paying itself forward over time. Exactly. Um, but, man, I, the other thing I take from your your story there was interning. Like, it's too often overlooked. And I remember in college being like, I don't want to do this internship. Like, I don't want I don't I have to leave campus. I have to get out of my sweatpants. And like, <laughs> like I got to become a real human being for like one or two days a week. And um, however, looking back on it, incredibly inv- invaluable experience, just understanding how team dynamics work in a corporate setting, but also what you do and don't like. And I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to take an internship, paid or unpaid, to give yourself a chance, man, is that probably the best vehicle to get in. You know, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. But uh, I don't know. There's something about them on college campuses that people aren't. All, I mean, some groups, like if you talk to CPAs, they can't wait to get internships because they know that's the path. But like I'd say the layman, the sales professional, right, that doesn't know exactly what they want to do. They know they like to talk to people. I don't think we as a group, and so I'm speaking for all salespeople now, which is a bad idea. But I don't think we as a group are like, yeah, I can't wait to get my internship in college. So. You know, that's one thing I definitely take is like get an internship. Because clearly it was valuable for you. Was yours paid or unpaid? Mine was paid. Cool. All, even better. Even better. Probably even the way better. they should be too. They absolutely should all be. They mm. should be. Um, do, do you have any like insights as to what uh, we now that you've sat on both sides of like the higher ed and corporate? Like, and so I'm eager as a employer, like what. What are we missing about higher ed that can help get students um, engaged in our businesses more quickly or um, tap into different students or just like what or honestly in the macro, like just what are we missing that maybe we have too many preconceived notions about? Um, I, I think the piece that I have spent a lot of my time on with with college students is that professional development, mm. right? Because so much of their classroom experience is is giving them the tactical knowledge, right? So if you're CPA, you're you're getting the numbers, you're you're crunching it, you're learning the the processes. Um, but maybe what you're not learning is how to write an email professionally, mm-hmm. right? So don't don't spell later L, the number eight with an R, right? I'm I'm not your texting friend. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the importance of of following up. So. Again, I would do an average, I do over 300 interviews a year um, with college students, and I could tell you less than 50 will send me a thank you email or a thank you note. Wow. It's that low? It's really low. Wow. And so sometimes I I think it's those little things that maybe we take for granted or we assume "Mm, it's not that big of a deal, right? I'll learn how to write a professional email. It's fine if I don't send the thank you. She gets them every day. She's not going to remember mine. Right. But going that extra mile, I think, is something that that students 
some do really naturally and they're they're fantastic at it. Yes. But I think that there's an opportunity for us as employers to to meet students in that space and say, hey, here's what's going to give you the advantage. Here's what's going to make you memorable. Here's what's going to make me want to go to bat for you to join my team over someone else. Right. And ultimately, being memorable as a candidate for a role or really even once you're in your role is just so incredibly important. Like, that's uh, that's how you don't become a number. Exactly. So that exactly. makes that makes, that's that's really interesting and really good feedback. It's funny you say that. I guess um, I'm a little disappointed to hear that you only get 50 out of 300. I but those 50, man, I could tell you, I can. Well, not everyone, but by and they're large, mem- they're memorable to you, right? You see their name again. You're like, I face to name. I remember that person. Right. It's it just does. They, they're in the different folder for you. Yes. And it's the same with networking and having a mentor. Right. So I think, again, it's so easy and I'm not picking on just students. I'll pick on everyone. Yeah. But it's so easy to, to sit with a mentor, to sit with someone um, who you're sort of in awe in. Right. We all have those leaders that you're like, yes. oh, man, they would they would meet me for coffee. Amazing. And we go and we expect them to just bring us things, right? So like, what advice do you have for me? Tell me, right? We, we sort of sit there and think, all right, what are you, what are you going to give me from this conversation? And don't think about what can I offer this person, right? Mentoring is a two-way street. Interviewing yeah. is a two-way street. And I think that that is another key piece that I've learned sometimes the easy way, sometimes the hard way <laughs> in my professional experience is, you have to come into conversations about development opportunities everywhere you go and be ready to give and, and yes. not just take from others. I, I, and I think I remember myself in the shoes of like, I interviewed at EMC back in the day and I, and I bombed it. I remember bombing it. And I remember having like very little self-confidence in like leaning forward. Cause I was like, well, what do I have to offer? And I think that, you know, if I could tell myself anything uh, 10 years ago, it'd be like, you do have something to offer. Just don't believe your opinions are correct because you can always keep learning. And I think when you have that like humbled self-awareness, you're so much more willing to lean forward to a degree because you're like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And then I'm just going to correct myself and keep moving. But there's like a weird pride as an 18, 22 year old that you've, you think you need to have that really is uh it's really an illusion to a degree. Absolutely. And and that's something I, I remember going through this phase because I was such a type A go-getter, ambitious, I need to have the right answers sort of sort of person. And I remember having this sort of transformative experience after graduation and realizing there's not always a right answer. <laughs> and there's a lot more gray space. Right after graduation and honestly during it, but (laughs) there's so much that we don't know. And it's not a matter of submitting the right answer first and, and having, it's sometimes better to ask questions and say, I have no idea where I'm going. Right. Well, and I think you get to a point in your career and I, you know, I don't know when it was for me, but I remember 
I was listening, and I don't remember exactly who it was, and I won't butcher it just in case I get the person wrong, but a CEO of a, of a high-profile Fortune 500 company sharing a crisis they went through and how they didn't know what was going on. And I remember getting in my car, and I'm probably like going four years into the business world at this point, and driving home being like, so nobody knows what's going on. Like, legitimately, this is like a high-powered professional with tons of backing, and we're all kind of, I don't want to say we're winging it, but we're all figuring out as we go, using the resources as best available to us. And I remember, like, getting home being like, man, well, that's confidence-inspiring, because that doesn't mean I need all the answers kind of thing. And I just, that's a hard thing to get to, though, organically. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting. I've been teaching an HR course uh, for the first oh, time cool. this past Very spring. Cool. And, and, and it's exactly that. It's trying to inspire that in students to say, there's no right answer here. There's a whole bunch of guesses. Um, and what I've found is it's, it's students are, are inclined to say, well, I don't know this. I need more information about that. Tell me more about this. I can't make a decision. And the, the takeaway, I think you just hit it perfectly is, there might never be a full picture. There's right. never going to be a, a moment where it's like, okay, now you have the entire picture. Now you can see it all. Now make your choices. Right. Like 70% of the information is generally a lot and right. there's plenty to go on, but you don't, you're right. You're so used to doing math where everything's completely perfect. You want, you, you aspire to have the same criteria. I mean, you're living it now. You're, you just said your team runs on data all day. And I bet you you're constantly like, we need more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we need more. And someone up there is like, you got plenty. You have plenty of data. <laughs> exactly. That's how it always goes. <laughs> that, that is too funny. Well, is there anything you – you said you teach an HR class now, which is uh, super cool and good, awesome for, like, giving back to, right? Like, you, you're probably a perfect person to be – sharing that journey um, and connecting the dots between what is higher ed and, and if, if they want to go the corporate route, what would you share to, to folks maybe um, or one thing you'd share other than we've shared so much with people. I think this is a really educational uh, podcast for, for the recent college grad in particular. Is there anything we maybe missed that you think we should, you, you want to fit in before our time kind of expires? I don't think so. I think the, the biggest pieces for me are just staying curious and staying flexible. If, if mm. you can do that, you're, you're going to be okay. Mm. I think that's, I think it's a really, that's profound. I think it's funny, the curiosity thing as a, as a parent, I've got a six and a four year old. It's, uh, the one, the one thing I'm constantly considering, like, am I stifling curiosity or am I creating it? Cause I, cause it's, it's an incredible skill to have. And I think you got to, be aware of it as someone leading a, you know, my little wolf pack at home, so to speak, you know, but I, I think it's, and the flexibility piece, I mean, you college grads or, or people earlier in their career, they don't understand how flexible they are to a degree. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, it sounds like the pandemic is um, changing people's focus on relocation that way though. Yes. So. Yes, it's Sorry. we're all outside our comfort zones. <laughs> yeah, so I still let it rip. Well, uh, Megan, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think we're going to have to uh, make this some kind of a cadence because I'm sure as the data changes over time, you'll have great information for the listening group and uh, and then like when these whole restrictions are 
lifted, we can grab a kombucha together and hang out. So. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This is great. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm energized. I'm excited. I'm going to go into my calls the rest of the day feeling good. So love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much and, uh, and take care and be well. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye.